Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. I never thought about space in my cramped apartment, but in this house, all I see is empty space. The sofa and ottoman look like tiny islands in a sea of hardwood floors. I could get two ottomans in the living room, but then I'd need another sofa. I could tell people I'm into minimalism. Anyway, when you save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto, that's the easy part of adjusting to the suburbs. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. Cobras! And fire! Fire. My name is Baco, and absent this week uh, for, well, when you're super old and you wear socks on slippery floors, you tend to break your ankle. So Luz Cannon is uh, under some medical watch right now, mending a broken ankle. But I, of course, welcome back to the show, Josh Toomey. Josh from Talk To Me, how are you? And I'm doing well, Baco. Thanks for having me. And uh, thank God Luz broke his ankle because I don't think I could handle him another week. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, it's like, yeah, he just seems to find some bone in his body to break anytime you're on the show. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, he yeah, well, let's do the Toomey show. Oh, the broken ankle. Right. Yeah, this is the second time I've been on Cobras and Fire, but both <laughs> times I've just been on with the Amber Sand or whatever you call it. So, uh, yeah, I think I demanded in a couple episodes back that I am now Fire. Uh, oh, so sweet. I have taken, I, I, it also turns out that I lost the ampersand somewhere near a park, uh, a park nearby <laughs> my house. So, anyway, well, hell, man, it's good to have you back. Hey, um, I don't know, did you get any uh, um, a notification that today is our friend anniversary on Facebook? Is it really? Yes. <laughs> I did not get I, I that. Get That's you, awesome. I didn't get you anything. I'm sorry. Well, I I I, I didn't even know it was our anniversary. So <laughs> typical. <sighs> Just like you know, you you and my wife can talk about that. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Once again, compared to a woman. Well, yes. um, today we're gonna. Of course, we brought you on because you're an expert in the area. We're gonna get into which is uh, breaking down the difference between a euphemism and a metaphor. Would you like to elaborate? Mm. <laughs> you know what? No, I wouldn't. Okay, yeah, we're <laughs> going to talk about thrash metal, and we decided uh, we like to do a thing called The Greatest Year in Rock here at Cobras and Fire. We've done one. We have our second one coming up. We're going to call this The Greatest Year in Thrash, and it was 1990-ish. In other words, we will spill into 91, and if you want to dip back into 89, well, we're we're fast and loose with the rules here. 
So, <laughs> nice. Uh, Fast and loose. Now, you were in Primer 55. Would you consider that thrash? Absolutely not. Okay, what would you call that? That band was 100% a new metal band. Like There was no getting around that. But new metal seemed to kind of be almost a carry on from thrash. So almost like they're all rock and roll. You know what I mean? So the, you, do, you don't, I mean, I honestly defer to you on this. I'm just really asking. So you do, you do think there is kind of a, a clear separation from what you call thrash and what you call new metal? Yeah. I mean, new metal was, I, I think, I think when they talk about the early days of new metal, which would have been your 93, 92, 93, 94, you know, when corn when, when and Cotton and joined poison. Yes, yes, exactly. You know, <laughs> when, when, <laughs> when everything was going wrong and poison, uh, <laughs> up for, up from the depths came your cold chambers and your corn and your death tones. And, uh, machine you know, they, head. machine head, things like that. Machine where you get more thrash. I think cold chambers yeah. is more thrash. All right. I don't know about that one, but, uh, I think that you know what they what they did was was they talked about you know when when thrash would have a breakdown everybody loved the breakdowns and so what new metal did was kind of like well let's make an entire song of breakdowns and <laughs> and the the fun you know the fun bridge type stuff so I mean that's maybe your carryover but there's you you know there's a technicality to thrash that I don't think new metal had uh, new metal was a lot of you know in, in guitar tab terms it was lots of zeros and ones. <laughs> yeah. And you and I have never really talked too much about your time in Primer 55. Um, I got somewhere in a box in my basement a Ozfest sampler of Primer 55, like two or three or four, you know, five songs. Uh, that would have been 2000 to 2003 area. Uh, mm-hmm. Would you have been in the band at that point? I joined in 2002, so yeah, I came in right after the second album. It's like a comic uh, book girl, released. yeah, gut with a gun. Yeah, that, on that it. was the, yeah, that was the first album. That was Introduction to Mayhem. Uh, you know, that came out in 2000. So yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to dig that up if um, so I can have you like autograph it for me in Nashville <laughs> this summer. So, uh, yeah, the Rock and Pot Expo coming up. Uh, what is that? August 26th. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gonna say that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah I, it's i know it's the end of august uh the last weekend so uh I, and i don't have a calendar in front of me and apparently i didn't memorize it but uh, uh i'm really looking forward to it you yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun i mean I, you know i grew up in nashville that's my hometown so it's gonna oh, be yeah? nice to a go home and then b uh you know see everybody get everybody in the same room together kind of thing you'll have to uh, uh take me around give me a two-hour tour of all the hot spots when we're there um, some must see things. It's, fun, it's funny, man. I've been, I've been, uh, I've been, I've been gone so long that I don't, you know, the new spots of the hip spots are all gone. You know, like my, uh, you know, the clubs I played as a kid, you know, are, are all gone. And, and it's like, you know, they, all my friends back home always talk about the, uh, you know, Nashville being an it city and, and all these condos are being built. And so all these like historical monuments are basically being torn down to, to put up high rises. It's like a, it's like a Joni Mitchell song or something. Well, then maybe you can take me on a tour and say, well, that didn't used to be there. <laughs> that used to be. I can show you where Johnny Cash used to live. <laughs> mm. But yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it. It'll be our first face-to-face meeting, and uh, um, and it'll just uh, further drive the bromance and also, I think, some competitive hatred that, of course, we both have built up because of football. 
Competitive hatred, yes. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where you know your your Vikings aren't in my uh, <laughs> Titans division and or conference, so it's you know I've always kind of had a soft spot for the Vikings, and you know you and I have talked about uh, you know I, I'm a big you know Louisville Cardinal fan too. So when Teddy Bridgewater is my guy, and you know if he ever plays again, that'll be a, well I guess we'll see. But uh, yeah, man, you know you can't hate. The only time you can hate them is when you're playing them. You're yeah, not the Colts exactly. or, the, or the Jaguars or something. You know. Yeah, it's not like you're a Packer fan like Aaron Camaro. Oh, Jesus. Hey, speaking of him, uh, you posted something that I jumped on and then, of course, took to my own page and shared, which is the ridiculousness of Local H winning that uh, um, Metallica thing. But but I don't know if you heard the latest. Uh, Local H was actually doing a um, uh, a contest for the fans to where they could like all enter and and enter as many times as they wanted and they would draw and somebody would win vip access and backstage free tickets to any local h show they wanted to and it turns out local h won that contest (laughs) they won so they'll be uh, backstage at their own show nice well at least somebody will uh you know what's great is is not only did they do that but they also put in for the uh, Ernie Ball Battle of the Band stage at the Warp Tour, and they got it too. So summer tour plans for Local <sighs> H is looking up, man. It's 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 great, and they might be playing a high school Battle of the Bands here here in uh, Southern Indiana soon. So look out for that. And just to clarify, <laughs> despite the uh, Battle of the Bands coming up there in Clarksville, um, you and I are in the same page as far as why we have an issue with this right it has absolutely nothing to how kick-ass or how much we hate the band correct it has nothing to do with our feelings personally about them they just shouldn't have been eligible and i think i saw mark striegel mention it and 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 i think he he nailed it this reeks of a live nation kind of thing you know what i mean where it's just kind of set up and dealt with and See, I get it, and I get people saying that it's some sort of payola backdoor scheme, but I mean... That might be a bit uh, extreme, uh, but they put them in the contest. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, getting them in the contest is one thing, and I kind of ranted about this on my last episode uh, with Wednesday 13. Um, Towards the end of my episode, I kind of went off on a rant, and you know, it's it's far-fetched to say that anyone would pay any amount of money or, or any kind of like rigged contest to get local H on this bill. Right. The, no, the, I, the I thing, don't think that's what happened. I do think they just had a bigger fan base, did push for it. They just shouldn't have been allowed to be in the contest. Well, if you look at the numbers, too, I mean, the the band that they beat out, Mothership. Oh, and God. the band that, that would have been they, the perfect one. They, and in all honesty, man, I went through and listened to a lot of these other bands that were competing, and it's not like anything that was groundbreaking or jumped off the page and like, oh, my God. I mean, Mothership sounded good, but I'm not necessarily sold like this should have been the band. But if you looked at the numbers, I think I think uh, local H won by like twenty two percent, and then like you know Mothership had like twenty one percent. But what you had on local H's side of this whole thing was an established international fan base mm-hmm. that you know fans like Aaron Camaro went on and and voted. They're like, oh shit, my favorite band, Local H is in this contest. So right there, it tells you that they they had no business being in this contest because a band like mothership who I believe is out of Texas is probably just going to have their Texas fans. I don't know how many people are actually out there. Were, I you know, saw around. them here in Minnesota about a, a, just a summer ago 
and they were opening for Wilson and Crowbot. Oh, nice. You know, so they were the opening act. You know, I mean, they were they're in the freaking van with they don't have the local H background. You know, and I know local right. H is 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 not exactly maintain the level of of success where they peaked but god bless them for keeping it going i i love that but this i'm sorry man this this shouldn't have been for you yeah this contest wasn't for a band that was on spins 1998 albums of the year yeah exactly i mean i i don't know and it's and once again it comes back around to you can't argue this with a local h fan because that's their favorite band and they want their favorite band to open for Metallica. What I'm arguing is I don't care if this was, you know, Dishwalla, Better Than Ezra, uh, The Toadies, which I would love to see The Toadies. I'd have been all over that. But, <laughs> you know, like a band like that that had their spotlight. And, you know, I, I, to the death, argued with a lot of people online. And it's not like, you know, that's probably the worst thing you could have done was arguing with anybody yeah. about this. But, but the one thing... Yeah, right. It's it's just none of those bands should have been in this contest. It should be for no. somewhat of a brand new band. I mean, I mean, hell, if if you know Mothership's out there touring with Crowbots and and Wilson, I mean, that's a pretty sweet tour right there. But they haven't broken through, and they're they're not doing the festivals, and they no, haven't and I saw had them a in a bar. Record. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I don't know. It's 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 a whole lot of mess right there. It, but yeah, I. I the live nation thing. I don't know that it was necessarily rigged. It was, it's just more like, how did they even get involved? I mean, I just, how did they get, they, Bon Jovi is doing the same thing, by the way. And in every city they got one. And I saw some band that, and he was messaging decibel geek about this. I'm honestly don't recall them because they didn't even have local age fame, but they were older than local age or at least as old and they had this open letter to doc mcgee and or whoever's managing bon jovi right now and it was just this pathetic bon jovi meant the world to us when we were just up and comers it's like hey man you know what go take care of your kids (laughs) go 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 hug your wife do something this is this is ridiculous uh and, and by and I don't know. Have you ever been involved in a battle of bands on a small level? They're all a fucking joke. This isn't really an opportunity to break anybody. It's never actually happened. But it is meant for a certain criteria. You know what I mean? Like if a local bar does the battle of the bands and Metallica enters. Right. And then then it's based on who can sell the most tickets. And that's kind of what this is. It really isn't any different. You know what I mean? It's just. Of, of course, you have 400,000 followers on Facebook, and your closest competition has a tenth of that. I uh, just. You know, and that might have been the detriment of my musical career, but I didn't ever enter my bands into Battle of the Bands contests. <laughs> and I wouldn't want to enter my band, you know, in a, in a open for Metallica contest. I would want, because I always wanted Metallica to want my band to open for them, not right. for us to win our way onto the bill. That's you know that sounds outrageous, and I probably would put myself into a Metallica contest. But that's my thing. I'm like, I don't want to go play in a battle of the bands. I don't want to win a contest. I don't hey. want to be on American Idol. I don't want to be on The Voice. I just I want fans to come to my band and get into the band, not win a contest to win people over. 
to me, it's no different than I, I agree with what you're saying to that point. It's no different than being the world's biggest Slayer fan, but only going to the show if you win tickets by being the 21st caller. You know, <laughs> nice. It, it, so whatever. Well, well, I meant my last my my last bit on this was you know, nothing's going to happen from this, you know, local H isn't going to, you know, get a resurgence, uh, you know, nothing's going to happen for them, you know, more than, you know, if anything, it's almost a negative towards them because of how much they're just getting destroyed online. You know, it's like, it's not like, it's not like people are going, Oh shit, local H I forgot about those guys. You know, you're, you know, you're getting that, but a band like mothership would at least, you know, Oh my God, this is the band that, you know, got to open five shows. Yeah, maybe get a little bump. Let's go check them out. Let's go listen to their album. Let's go ask them how, what it was like to open for Metallica. And so at the end of the day, Mothership may just end up being the band that got to open for Metallica one time. You know, that that could be their claim to fame. But, uh, but you know, I, I think they still had more to gain from a local age getting this uh, getting this spot. Yeah, I, and I have to believe that local age has probably had opportunities to get selfies with Lars Ulrich, don't you think? <laughs> right. At least the singer. I think they're on. And what's funny is they're a two-piece band, and I think they're on their third drummer. So it's whatever. Okay. Well, with that, <laughs> let's get into today's t- topic. Uh, thank you for joining Cobras and Fire. Uh, we are not so talking about now. Local H, but it might tie into Metallica a little bit. We're getting back to 1990-ish, the greatest year in thrash. Um, you actually had a great idea on how we're going to kick this off, um, uh, and that was to kind of do a draft. You know, and since we both uh, – Spent way. I, I know this because we were messaging each other. Uh, we spent way too much time watching. I don't know. I don't know about you, watching players that I've never heard of get picked by a team. Uh, but I love it. Uh, but yeah, this is it's a nice little thing. Now we're gonna do a draft, and of course, being our guest, uh, you have the honors of the first pick. So, Mister Toomey, um, how would you like to start this? Let's see here. I would like to start with my all-time favorite band, and they would always be my number one draft pick. And oh, can I guess? Can I guess? Uh, go ahead. Striper, because they had that uh, "We're Not Into God Anymore" record that year. Striper? No, no, I, I did see that on the list, but they did they did not make my list. And and I'm sorry to say for everyone on all of our lists that Local H did not put out an album in 1990. <laughs> I saw they were formed. No, no, they weren't. <laughs> anyway, yeah, actually, what do you got for us, Josh? All right, so from an album that came out July 24th, 1990, the first major label album. They had four albums before, but my first uh, my first song here is Medicine Man by Pantera off of Cowboys from Hell, and I chose this because I've always seen – Cowboys from Hell is two separate albums, like Side A, Side B. When I had really? the cassette as a kid, and Side A was kind of the, like the they're they're progressing toward vulgar display of power. Side B, they were still Projects in the Jungle and uh, uh, Metal Magic Pantera, so they were still kind of meshing and tr- still trying to get their sound together. And I think Medicine Man is kind of harkens back to their to their Judas Priest roots. So uh, this has always been one of my favorites that kind of stuck out. All right, let's uh, let's check out. Pantera with Medicine Man off of Cowboys from Hell.
necessarily the one I would have picked off that record, but I was late to the party on Pantera. I, I heard this record very shortly after it came out, and I did not get it. I didn't understand the name. It it sounded like a knockoff, you know, like we're not Gibson, we're Pantera kind of thing. It was like, <laughs> is that their logo seemed weird? And the sound was just so hard for me to get into right away. Uh, and were you hooked right off the bat on Cowboys from Hell? Like, did you, did you hear it right when it came out? I didn't hear it right when it came out. I heard... In all honesty, my first Pantera album I got into was Far Beyond Driven. I had heard mm. Vulgar Display of Power, but a friend of mine, we would drive around in his in his mom's car and we would listen to it. And when I always remember this, when the guitar solos would come in and everything would drop out like an old Van Halen record, it would just be, yeah. you know, drums, bass, and a guitar solo. And it always drove me nuts. There was no rhythm guitar tracks behind dimes playing and now i love it now i think it's amazing but as a kid i was so used to you know the black album and megadeth and everything else just being so full all the time that that uh hearing pantera early was uh was very odd to me but now i absolutely love it well when um the the follow-up record uh vulgar came out you know mtv actually gave a lot of love to mouth of war and again, I didn't bite. I didn't get it. And then uh, a, a buddy of mine was playing it on his guitar, and I started. I'm like, wait a second, that's that song. And then he showed it to me, and then I learned it. And then I'm like, oh my god, this shit just fucking grooves. And then all of a sudden, it clicked. Everything I went backwards from there. Uh, not back to their original four. I didn't hear those until probably the last ten years. But uh, going back to Cowboys from Hell. And just that digga 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 now, and just how fucking abrasive that is. It, now I love it. Now it's like I just want to fucking take a sledgehammer and just fucking cut somebody's hair with it. I just oh my god, Baco, Baco, are you okay? Oh my god, it's just it's such a good okay. fucking oh my. It just makes you feel so good. It it, it, it puts a smile on my face. Uh, and 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 then you, I mean. The brilliance of Dimebag came through at that point, and that's kind of what sold me. Because I, even as I'm a huge Pantera fan, I've seen him five or six times. Uh, I'm just not that sold on Phil as a singer, but he fits what they do. It's just not my favorite thing. But just when it's all perfect and it comes together, especially up through Far Beyond Driven, those three records are just. Ugh. But yeah, um, so. I, with almost all of Thrash, I had to be dragged in a little bit. And once I got, to, I don't know, to the late 90s, at that point, I was kind of like, now I understand what I was not hearing for all these years. But uh, great pick. And uh, just to remind people, uh, you made a great argument on why they should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I actually think they should kind of move towards the top of the list as far as bands not in there. Yeah, whatever happened to that, uh, my rant about Pantera being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, is that on the Cobras and Fire cutting room floor somewhere? Um, well, in uh, in a metaphorical sense, yes. Uh, see, we got back to the metaphor. Uh, nice. Yeah, you what know, sometimes you edit these these shows and it goes pretty good, and sometimes it takes a few hours and you drink. So uh, I assume that's what happened. When I went back to hear it, I'm like, where's that bit? Because I know I heard it when I was editing. And then when I went back <laughs> to great. try to find it, it was just gone. So, yeah, I know you made a fucking stellar argument. It was supposed to be the show closer, and 
that's some inside you know, one baseball of the, uh, people. It, one of the best things, and it's on an early, early talk to me. It's probably episode 13 or 14. I don't even know which yeah. episode it is, but but there's a there's an episode where I clear my throat and kind of like <laughs> clear my throat and my nose at the same time. So it's this terrible snort. And I I, le- I didn't know I left it in. And I was listening to the uh, episode after I had posted it at work. So there was nothing I could do about it. And I was sitting there just like freaking out. I, I, I don't even remember if I ever went back and, and, and snipped that a little edit out. But, man, it's one of the worst snort, clear throat things I've ever Snortle heard. short. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, it's terrible. What's your, what's your first round, first, uh, first overall pick, sir? Well, 1990 uh, was a great year in thrash, I think. Uh, um, there, I think there was two big ones. We talked about this a little bit before this, but 86 was a monster year, um, and, it, and 90 was a big one. And again, we're talking like 86 to 87, so you can kind of cover all the, the bigger bands. But, God, I don't know. It, it It's so hard to nail down to one, but I'm going to go with Anthrax. Probably things get cyclical with me with Anthrax, but... I come back to Persistence of Time more often than any other record that has got to be my favorite uh, Anthrax album. I mean, there's there's a lot of good ones, and I'm not really shortchanging anything, but this one, for some reason, I, I just keep keep finding myself going, yes, every song. Yeah, it's a great album. I have it on my list over here, too, so I'm kind of curious to see what song you pick. It was difficult. Um, I saw, you know, um, I had I, I saw them on this tour with the Clash of the Titans tour, uh, with Slayer, Anthrax, Megadeth, and Alice in Chains opening. It was just amazing. It was one. It was my first outdoor concert too. It was just and this place that doesn't even do them anymore. It was called Trout Air. It was a a, a stock trout lake. Um, and I know you, you could, you could rent a fishing pole and, and, and fish during the concert if you wanted to, but yeah, I, I, it was my first real full on thrash experience. I went there for Slayer mainly, and they were doing that kind of rotating headliner deal. I think Anthrax opened the day with then Slayer, then Megadeth, but they all played the same length. Um, but I wasn't quite into him at that point yet. Um, I hadn't really started diving into it, but I got into Sound of White Noise, and on the John Bush tour, the the Sound of White Noise tour with John Bush, they played like three or four songs off this, and all of them kicked ass. So I went up and bought the record, and I love the whole album. Um, I narrowed it down to a song that uh, Loose Cannon actually messaged and said, I'd like you to play this song if it was my pick. Honest to God, it was the same song I was going to pick, and it was In My World.
Well, that definitely wouldn't have been my pick because being the bass player that I am, you would have to go Got the Time because that bass line at the beginning of Got the Time is still one of my favorite bass lines ever and ever to play. (laughs) (laughs) That is a fucking cool bass line. It's a Joe Jackson cover. I know, man. It's one of those things where you know, it's one of those covers for the longest time I didn't know it was a cover. And when I found out it was a cover, I was, I was almost kind of uh, disappointed. Huh. I knew it was a cover right away only because I, I saw an MTV report. I don't know the song. I, what was the Joe Jack? He had one big hit, like You Belong to the City or something. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Yeah, nothing. I got nothing on that one. <laughs> it wasn't got the time. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, I could have gone with uh, uh, Blood on Blood or whatever that's called. Uh the opening track, Time, um, Keep It in the Family. Just so many good tracks on that thing. And a lot of epic songs, too. Uh, and just, they seem to be really at their peak, but uh, apparently fracturing inside. So, Yeah, I think, uh, I think around this time is they, they had gotten rid of the jams. And you know my, my issue with Anthrax and their jams. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, well, we'll move on to my second round pick. And that's going to be uh, <clears throat> a, ba- a band that we just talked about that was on the Clash of the Titans tour. That would be Slayer. And, you know, Seasons of the Abyss as an album as a whole is probably my favorite Slayer album. Really? And uh, I, rem- I remember, and, and it has a lot to do with just my age and the time that I got into Slayer. But a, a friend of mine had given me a cassette uh, overdubbed. And I'm almost, and I can almost swear to God, we, we, copied over kisses asylum <laughs> like when you when you could put you know put little pieces of tape on the cassettes oh yeah and, yeah. Re- and record over stuff on the top yeah so i'm almost positive my copy of seasons in the abyss was copied uh over kisses asylum for the longest time but uh, i remember that for like a good summer was the cassette kind of tannish yeah it was one of those tan <laughs> kiss cassettes all the and, polygram uh, like yep you know, it was, it was tan. It was yellowed. You know, it was one hey, of those. That's the but, uh, kiss tape from the '80s you want to record over. Actually, I would say the first one you want to. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, man, I remember uh, we lived in an apartment complex, and uh, I had a little janky Walkman, you know, and I'd walk around any, that like, apartment just complex. Let me interrupt you real quick. Uh, yeah. Uh, was there any part where it kind of faded out a little bit? It was like, you know, it's like. More falling. <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't think it ever did that. No, you know, maybe bad. if they had a little bit of time at the end, I might have got like okay. the last song. Well, ca- carry on with your boombox story. I love that. <laughs> no, I might, you know, my Walkman with my my, my cheap yeah. headphones, my cheap Walkman walking around the apartment complex, you know, with with you know the five or six you know kids my age that were buddies and and uh, man that that whole summer I think I listened to Seasons in the Abyss and uh, just a cheap plug from my show getting Dave Lombardo on the Talk oh. to Me podcast. I got to ask him what his favorite song on uh, Season of the Abyss was. And honestly, I can't tell you what it is right now. I think Spirit in Black. But uh, my favorite song. What was it? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, carry on. I'm, I'm <laughs> sorry. I, I love that episode. But yeah, what are you playing, yeah. man? I'm going to play Temptation. And Temptation is is one of the later tracks on there, but it's got this really cool back and forth mm-hmm. vocal left and right. Have and uh, felt, I'd actually. Have re- you ever felt the need? I've a. Uh, I, uh, I I read recently that what happened right there was was Tom wanted to sing it one way, Carrie wanted him to sing it another way, so they actually sang it both ways. But when they played it when they played it back, it was off just that much. That wasn't so it was on a ho- your podcast because I just heard that recently too. I'm sure it was on my podcast. <laughs> but, uh,
I mean, I'm saying I learned it, said it on my podcast. Now I'm saying it on your podcast. So Cobras and Fire listeners out there, if you like stupid trivia like that, head on over to the Talk To Me podcast. Talk to me, uh, talk to me pod.com for all your pot. No, I was kidding. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yes. but yeah, man, it was a, just a happy accident. I think it's, uh, you know, being in the studio and things like that throughout the years, I'm sure you can, uh, attest to, to happy accidents kind of coming out kind of cool. So, oh, absolutely. You know, the great thing about your pick there is that, like, I have, you know, my own little list here. And, of course, you just took my next draft pick. Uh, I picked the exact same song. Uh, I love oh, nice. that fucking tune. Uh, it was my favorite song of the record to begin with. Um, and th- it's honestly between that and Seasons in the Abyss. That album, I don't know, it, it probably floats around my top five with Slayer. But uh, 
I was always a uh, God. My favorite record by them is one that gets just panned, and that's South of Heaven. Um, but uh, there's nothing wrong with Seasons in the Abyss. That was the first Slayer record that I bought new as a fan. You know what I mean? I was already into them at that point. Everything else was already out when I finally kind of discovered them. So fantastic! Yeah, actually, I remember. I remember where I told that story, and that was on. I did a Seasons in the Abyss breakdown with That's Haran. That's what it was. Yes. <laughs> ah. So there you go. I was like, I know I heard that on the Talk To Me podcast. Well, before we go any further, let's talk a little bit about thrash metal music in general. Um, uh, what do you think about the bathrooms at a typical thrash metal concert? <laughs> oh, man. Bathrooms at a typical thrash metal concert. Seems Good like question. there's not a long line in the ladies' room. You know what I'm saying? No, there's definitely not a long line. You know, I'm sure I've probably used the ladies' room at, the, at a thrash metal concert just because uh, I knew I could I get in and get this. out. My buddy is very into things, and once he connects with, it doesn't matter what it is, a band, a brand of snowmobile, an opinion, it is the thing, and it's very important to him. And one thing for some reason that was oddly important to him was that chicks like Slayer. And I don't know about you, but I my experience is pretty much, if we're going to just speak in a general term, it's exactly the opposite. I have used the women's restroom at Slayer concerts, and I did not have to bother any women at the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a dude fest. There's nothing wrong with that, you know, but uh, uh, I don't know. What, you, you know, you, you've been a lot of hard rock and metal guys. You've met meatheads, you know. Um, yeah, you don't come across as well. And I say that with respect, by the way. These guys are also some of the best human beings and some of the best musicians you'll be around, but they get so stuck on certain things. And I don't know if you know where I'm going with that at all, but no, I got you. It's definitely a sausage fest at a lot of these metal shows. And I went and saw a uh, non point here in Louisville a few, a few weeks ago, and I was actually <laughs> really surprised at the, at the female turnout. I was like, wow, like there are a lot of girls that like non point. It was very strange. I think it's probably more true now that girls are getting into like the harder edge stuff than, but now nobody knows what gender they are. So <laughs> uh, we're not touching that one. <laughs> yeah, it's 1990 <laughs> in this city, baby. Yeah, 1990 that you know you would have gotten tarred and feathered for for being transgender. Well, well, uh, and before I get into my pick, then I'll just touch on a couple of things that are somewhat note. Body count, of course, with uh, Ice T was formed apparently in 1990 as was in flames. So I don't think I heard of until the late nineties and I don't think either I or loose are a big fans of his, so to speak. But, uh, yeah, I, I like some of the body count stuff. I just, I just appreciate how authentic he is and how legit his, his metal, you know, connections are. I mean, he's not a, he's just so true. And then look at everything he's done for 20 years. My God. It's great. And I will say that the new body count album bloodlust is amazing. Like I, you know, I wasn't necessarily into the, the cop killer era stuff, mm -hmm. you know, there goes the neighborhood and all that stuff. But this new album sonically is probably the best album of uh, 2017. It's kind of sad that socially we're kind of dealing with the same things, same issues that were, were brought to a front where with that song cop killer, uh, it, you know, taking aside my personal view is more like, it's a song telling a story and it might have a message and you might not like it and that's okay. But, um, 
where we're, we're dealing with, there's, 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 there's two sides. There's no gray area. We either support the police or we believe they're, they're killing people innocently across. Like, it, like there needs to be a blanket. We have uptight people not connected with the situation at all, making inappropriate comments. And it's exactly like it was in 1992 when Body Count came out. And it's kind of sad. Fun trivia, yes. though. On the 1992 Lazapalooza incident, Soundgarden played cop killer at every show without incident. That same year, Travis Tritt had to stop playing Here's a Quarter Call Someone Who Cares because people were throwing quarters at him. As what's funny about that trivia is I know I know that trivia, and it's hilarious that you bring that up. I think I got it from <laughs> that he Spin could... Magazine. Yeah, well, they also love local age, so. Oh, yeah, who doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> uh. So what's your, uh, with the second pick in the second round uh. of the 1990 thrash metal draft, what does Cobras and Fire have to say? I'm going to take Slayer and Temptation. <laughs> <laughs> A double shot. Oh, wait, uh, I just went uh, Minnesota Vikings 2009 draft on it. Sorry, uh, already taken. Uh, is there a dead guy I can pick? Um, Megadeth uh, had a record out that year. Uh, I don't know if you're aware. It's kind of a big deal for them. It's one of my favorites. Yeah, if you're a Megadeth fan, it typically is. Uh, um, rest in peace. I, again, I, I was late to the party. I, I liked the, um, oh, shit. What's uh, So far, so good, so what record? I didn't really care for the first two that much, but I didn't get a, a chance to really, you know, I mean, I was young. I didn't have a lot of money to invest in albums either. You know, like I couldn't take a flyer on something that I wasn't sure on. So I only heard these things through friends, but uh, rest in peace. It's so hard not to listen to Hangar 18. It's just it's such, it it might be the, perf, per, I don't know, the, how am I going to, it's like thrash perfection is what I'm trying to say. Absolutely. I mean, it is every, even the stupid shirtless wearing jeans video is brilliant. <laughs> I, I'm sure they called each other that day and like, you don't wear a shirt. Yeah, I'm thinking not wearing a shirt, Marty. Well, you go, hey, I wasn't going to wear a shirt either. Nick? What about um, you? <laughs> and, then like and then Dave Jr. shows up with a shirt and he's like, oh, I guess I'm not, nobody <laughs> told me. Uh, <laughs> But no, yeah. Um, but of course, I'm not going to play Hangar 18. We've all heard that before. Um, so I don't know. I, I kind of bounced back and forth, thought about playing Holy Wars. I mean, the first two songs, my God, what a way to open a record. Holy Wars into Hangar 18. But it's the next one. Take No Prisoners that I'm going to feature. So here you go. Take No Prisoners from Megadeth. <laughs>
Man, I love Megadeth, and that's you know one of my favorites all time bands. And like you were saying, those first two Megadeth songs off of that album, uh, you know, Rust in Peace, are probably you know uh, Mount Rushmore. You know, if Mount Rushmore thrash, those two songs could take up two spots to me. Mm. Such good stuff. Um, let's 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 trudge ahead to you know we talk about the big four, but I always say if there was the big five, that fifth band would be Testament. Testament. I'm running out of picks. And Testament put out an album in 1990. And, you know, we'll we'll just kind of keep going back to my, you know, I I grew up playing bass. I grew up, especially around 1990. I think I started playing in 91, uh, like full, you know, like not necessarily full time, but, you know, I started playing like I'm going to be a bass player, Uh, you know, know, practicing in the mirror type stuff. So Souls of Black. Yeah, I, I hate to do the the single and the video, but man, I, I used to just listen to that intro baseline over and over and over, and just like you know, what is this guy doing right here? And it's a, it's and it's an amazing thing. So, um, you know, for my next pick, off of Souls of Black, the title track and the single Souls of Black by Testament.
my picks next. Um, well, I'm going to go, I, I guess I hope a little off board now because you've taken all the big, the big four is covered, right? Oh, wait, we got Metallica still. We can still, by the way, as an audible, sneak in some Metallica off of 1991. But let's, uh, let's keep going. I'm not going there. Um, at least not now. Death Angel had Act Three. Do you uh, do you have any uh, connection to the Death Angel? Do you like them? Whatever thoughts on them? Whatever. You know, I never got into Death Angel. I don't know what it was. I just never. Uh, it was one of those bands that just never got into my my Walkman. Well, they're still going, but it's basically an entirely different band, from what I can tell. Um, I know I, I I reviewed it for Decibel Geek, and it was exactly kind of what you're talking about new technology very well recorded very well sounding the songs just didn't pop for me um but back uh in uh 1990 when act three came out they were uh like an all filipino band and kind of a little bit of a novelty act when it came to that uh so i kind of didn't really take them seriously until i got a chance to hear the record a couple times through a roommate of mine it is an amazing album and i don't know i i I'm going to pick the second song off of Act 3. This is Death Angel. Stop!
<laughs> yeah, Death Angel's one of those bands that just uh, passed me by somehow. Well, they had the... Um, uh, there was a ballot on there called The Room with a View, and around that time there became some legal dispute over the name Death Angel. So for a short period of time, they went by the name of D.A. And... <laughs> Once it got settled, they broke up in 1992, so it was kind of a moot point. But Back to oh, you, Tooby. I just punted. Back to me. We're in ROM. Back to me. Back to me. <laughs> so uh, when, when I had, um, man, I, I hate, when I had this guy on my podcast, but this is the uh, Kiss Connection in an odd way. But uh, when Kirk from Crowbar was on the podcast, uh, yes. after the you know after the podcast was over, I was like, "Hey man, do you mind doing a, a little tag for the show?" And I was like, "The show is Talk to Me," and all he goes is like the Kiss song. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "No, not like the Kiss song." Yes, but, uh, like the Kiss song was the correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, so. Where are we at here? Are we uh, this is our fourth track of pieces. Round four. Round four. All right, all right. Well, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a little crazy on this one. A little crazy. Uh, there was the around 1992. There was something going on that was uh, kind of happening around thrash metal, and that was like the influx of almost hip hop. You know, like what we talked about earlier with the new metal stuff coming. Uh, you know, there was there was some uh, elements of of the street coming in. You know, straight from the from the hood, straight coming at you, and uh, a little band that now features. Speaking of Metallica, Metallica bassist Rob Trujillo, Suicidal Tendencies Booyah. put on an album in 1990, and uh, they put out Lights Camera Revolution. And that's you consider a great this, album. You consider this thrash? I do not, but uh, you know, it's 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 hard rock, and it was in the hard rock heavy metal albums of that year. And I was I, this, so I'm pulling a talk to me audible. That's fine. And, th- th- this was on my list of like possible choices. I I think they kind of made the full transition by this point. I would call them the thrash band at this point. Very cool. Well, I would say that's also very lovely because that's the track I've chosen is lovely, <laughs> yes. off of Lights Camera Revolution. So off of 1990s. Relights Camera Revolution. This is Suicidal Tendencies with la 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 lovely. Lovely.
That's a great song. Perfect pick. Well, that was uh, probably the most perfect pick uh, so far because it's a late rounder, you know, kind of a sneaky pick. But boy, what a heavy hitter. He got a lot of upside. Uh, short arms. Short arms, but... Uh, Good hands, though. Good yeah. hands. <laughs> so, you know, more of a, pos- a possession receiver type. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, could have been a could have been an undrafted free agent, but, uh, you know, no, we wanted to take a flyer on him. Knows how to get open. <laughs> uh, oh, oh goodness football sports well 1991 um the, the weird thing about 1990 don't you think it was kind of like a, a a pinnacle like a peak year for for thrash in, in many senses because and it didn't have the uh career in the toilet effect that uh say maybe for bands like poison the hair metal stuff um but even Metallica, not just grunge, Metallica almost put the the death hammer into thrash with their own uh, the the Black Album in '91. It kind of just changed the game, and nobody cared about thrash anymore. It seemed like. Yeah, I I, I could see that. In all honesty, in all honesty, um, I'd grown up in the '80s. You know, I was. You know, uh, in 1990, 91, I was 11 and 12 years old. So I was, I was coming out of the night, coming out of the eighties as still a young man. And I was into kiss like when I was like nine, eight, nine years old, loving kiss meets the fam of the park, 
and you know all that stuff all the all the makeup era collecting gene simmons solo records and things like that and getting into the music and painting my face and all that stuff but i mean you know getting into like the 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 hair metal version of kiss was i was kind of like kind of into it and i had cousins older cousins that were into the firehouse and cinderella and all that stuff and so it was kind of around but I didn't hear Metallica until 1991, until Inner Sandman came out, until the Black Album hit. And the Black Album completely changed my life. Like, it 100% put me in a direction of like, holy shit, I need to learn everything I can about this band. <laughs> oh my God, this, this the, the old bass player they had, this guy Cliff Burton, was a fucking madman on bass. I'm going to be a bass player. That's it. You know, that was so my... It wasn't... Um... I love the Black Album. I have to get the record before it and like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Where's the bass? Hmm. Honestly, at like 11 years old, I'm sure I didn't even notice. Of course, there's no yeah. bass on the uh, bass on the I'm album. Not sure but, uh, I knew until they told me. <laughs> <laughs> my, by the way, my least favorite Metallica record is that record. So, really, yeah, um, least favorite over like Saint Anger. Man, well, it's right. It's in, it's in there. The songs are better, but the recordings about as good. Uh, yeah, you, you got a point. It's it's at the bottom. That's all I'm gonna say. We actually ranked them on one of our episodes. I'm gonna go with that. Uh, I I got in. Metallica was the one thrash band I got into pretty close to when they came out. The first record, I, I liked it a lot. I just never followed up with it after that. Uh, the I remember the first thing I remember hearing after that was Master of Puppets, and I really loved that song. But the rest of the record really didn't do anything for me until I kind of grew into thrash. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is the greatest metal record. You know, that kind of stuff. So, Yeah, Metallica fucking blew my mind, man. And, and uh, still, honestly, with hard, Hardwired kind of coming back around and even Death Magnetic, like, you know, kind of recharged my batteries for them. So, yeah, but no pun intended. <laughs> I, those albums didn't do a lot for me. I they're fine. Uh, I just think they're for as big as they are. They are the best. They're the coolest. They do everything right except for this local H nonsense. <laughs> they they really do just seem to get it. Even and they get to do whatever the fuck they want. Who? I mean, the Kiss Kiss had to really bust their ass and sell their souls to a lot of people to recover from music from the elder Metallica just had to do another record after Lulu, you know, they just, <laughs> just and St. Anger, you know, it's like uh, right in the same thing. So, well, I mean, didn't around the time of, of revenge, I mean, wasn't kiss kind of back down into the clubs, even if it was just a, you know, kind of a promotional thing, but I mean, didn't they kind of get knocked all the way down and kind of have to build back up? Uh, yeah, I guess I, but they did that by reuniting the original lineup. That doesn't really count. Um, right. I, I give them more credit for, you know, using creatures to kind of leapfrog into lick it up. Although, again, they used taking off the makeup to kind of help them, and it definitely did. But lick it up is an amazing record. And if if they would have done, if Asylum would have been the record they came out on unmasked to, I don't think the results would have been similar. But anyway, let's get back to 1991, and, and we're talking about the Black Album. Um, yeah, and Metallica is just they're, they're just so important on so many levels, and I think it's kind of irritating for for me. Now, you are significantly younger than me, especially if you were 12 in 1991. <laughs> um, 
So there's a decade of space there, but I, I grew up with a bit of a chip. You know what I mean? It was like I the music I like was never something that was easy to talk about. I you know people would wear their tuck in their John Cougar Melon Camp white T-shirt tight into their acid wash jeans and tell me Kiss sucked. And and now and not because we were discussing it or I wanted to know. Just because I was walking, you know, <laughs> and that was the life I grew up in. And it's kind of frustrating how like Metallica turned almost into jock rock, but it's almost to their a testament to how I, I don't know. I, I struggled with ACDC for a long time until I just decided to like admit to myself they're just that good. And it's almost that same thing with Metallica. They just are that good that they do have this broad based appeal. And it's nice to see them kind of come back to these longer, thrashier songs, but they just were, they're just so much better than everybody in a certain sense, don't you think? Absolutely, man. It, especially like some of the songs on Hardwire that, that have kind of come through. And I mean, they're not, obviously, it's not a top to bottom, A plus every song album, but I mean, there's, there's at least two or three tracks on there that, at a band at this point in their career, all you really need is two or three good tracks yeah. and, a, and, a, and a good and a bunch of you know decent tracks. But I mean, like "Spit Out the Bone" is probably you know one of the best uh, songs they've they've released in a very long time. Agreed. But uh, but yeah, man, I, I'm assuming you're going with the Black Album and, and yeah, like I guess I say, so. Because I'm really kind of, you've taken all my other picks. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, God, I think I've, we've played "My Friend of Misery" off there. You know what song should I play off the Black Album? What do you like? Oh man. Interesting man it is. <laughs> You're picking my pick, so what do you want to hear? Oh, man. Let's go. Uh, what did you say you've played before? Uh, we played My Friend of Misery, I believe. That's my favorite song in the record, so I'm pretty sure. I'm... Loose Cannon is going to uh, <laughs> chime in at some point and say, nope, nope, but I'm pretty sure it, it's been on an episode at some point. Oh, yeah, it was. Well, it was listen. 1991, the greatest year in rock. So what do you want to hear? <laughs> Let's do a Don't Tread on Me. Okay. Good for the times. Don't Tread on Me!
Okay, we're back. We talked we about, uh, hey, uh, 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 there's one notable event in Thrash in 1990. I wanted to talk to you about, you know the band Possessed? I uh, know the name. Okay, well, anyway, <laughs> the, the, the story that, that is uh, notable, in 1990, the singer was actually paralyzed from the waist down after being shot in a mugging on his way home from work. Oh, wow. Uh, and it kind of killed the band, obviously, at the time. In 2011, Danzig was playing. It's it's this bar I used to go to a lot. Uh, and when I heard he was playing there, I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. They have an outdoor area that they do like concerts sometimes too, like Buck Cherry played there. And that's kind of for your bigger shows, but it's typically local bands. And this is in November. So in Minnesota, we don't do a whole lot of outdoor shows in November. But I thought maybe that's what was going on. Sure enough. Danzig shows up, says this place is ridiculously small. Uh, it turns out that the the stage did not fit anywhere near what they agreed to on the contract, so he refused to play. All the other, all the opening bands, of course, of which there was nineteen, <laughs> um, they agreed to play for free, so everybody got their money back. So I went and saw him. One of the bands was Possessed, and the singer is in the band. And it's as a matter of fact, he's the only remaining member. And he's in a wheelchair, and he destroyed it. Him in wow. his colostomy bag in his wheelchair, he was just killing it. But, uh, yeah, and it was in 1990 that basically that uh, tragic story kind of came to a head for him. So, Whew, Man, that's tough. I can't even you know, can imagine uh, you know, getting up in front of people. But, I mean, I guess you know, being paralyzed, I guess you don't lose your voice and... I guess no, you got to get out of the house was, and do some uh, stuff. I, I was kind of taken aback. I was a little uncomfortable at first, but once he got rolling in, okay, I didn't mean it. <laughs> I, <laughs> unintentional pun. Once he got into the set and started kicking into it, it, it kind of drifted away a little bit, and you started to appreciate just how much this mattered to him, and it made me enjoy it more. If that makes did sense. Did he roll? Did he uh, roll right through the set? He did back and forth. Uh, <laughs> did he pop any wheelies through the set? He had to. Yeah, he had to. <laughs> no, he was all into it, man. Yeah, he uh, no shame, you know, in his game. So he 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 wasn't trying to obviously hide anything, or uh, and he was you know not 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 afraid to to basically make it known that hey, I'm in a fucking wheelchair. But uh, he also didn't bring up the story about him getting shot. But you know what? Good um, God. What do you think? It's uh, your pick here. What do you got, bud? All right, my pick. Since you've kind of delved into 1991, I think I'm going to dip my toe into 1991, and we're going to go a little south of the border with this one. Some of the the the, the Brazilian metal metal band that they are, the the, uh, the tribe from down under. Here, I guess that's Australia, but <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> uh, the tribe from uh, Belo G'day, Horizonte, mate. Brazil. Sepultura put out oh one of when the greatest. Did, when, when did you albums. first hear them? I mean, God. Uh, man, honestly, I mean, basically all of my like all of this era stuff came in at about ninety three. I want to say about ninety three. I got into Chaos AD, but uh, and now is that I when still, you started saying I'm going to wear dreads or? Uh, probably. I think I dreaded my hair in ninety seven. So. And, and how many pairs of Jenkos did you own? I don't think I could afford Jinkos. I had some kickwear. I know I did that. I know I had a few pairs of kickwear. 
But I don't think I ever owned actual Jinkos. Uh, what we, I think what we did was we would just go and buy like, like I'm almost positive I wore like a 32 waist in high school. I probably had a couple of 42 waist dickies, you know, things like that. <laughs> it was awful. Did they ever like? Uh, would you, you, you were you ever in a mud puddle and they would just wick up, <laughs> and suddenly your <laughs> knees are knees are wet? Oh, I mean, you know, anytime it rained, it was pretty much you 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 washed the floor when you got home because your <laughs> your floor your your pants were dragging the linoleum all night. Uh, I really hope people at home know what we're talking about and can visualize this. So. <laughs> you know, weird thing, never wore them. I just uh, I know a lot about it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it was a good time. I've got some uh, got some great photos of me, you know, rocking uh, rocking the big kickwear and the uh, yeah. uh, a gas station attendant button ups and things like that. You know, your, your I'm sure there's a there's a chain wallet. Your flashback Friday photos are a personal uh, treat for me. So <laughs> uh, keep them I like coming. I will, man, and everyone out there needs to follow my personal page on Facebook for all the uh, the wonderful, wonderful Flashback Friday, Throwback Thursdays. So if someone wants have, to friend you on Facebook, as long as they're like a real person, you'll take it, huh? Yeah, I don't, I don't really, uh, I don't really. Uh, here lately, I've kind of, you know, kind of uh, looked into people and see if they're how we, if and how we know each other, sure. or if they at least, uh, you know, at least into into you know into the same stuff I am. It's it's been kind of cool. I've been adding a lot of people lately, and um, a uh, lot lot more people are reaching out, saying that they've just discovered the podcast. Uh, man, that, that stuff just like it, it's the emotional fuel that keeps all this crap going because obviously it's not paying any bills. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, and it's a lot like music, don't you think? I, I, at least I found that connection where the creative process kind of still gets the juices going. It's a little, it's a different animal, but the passion is still kind of the same. It, it, it's nice. I like the, I like the, you know, the, the being, you know, the creative aspect of the podcast definitely, uh, you know, itches that, you know, creative nerve in me and, you know, being able to basically, you know, my show is me. It's, it's no one else. You know, Mike was on there for a little bit, but now it's, you know, it's, it's, it started out me, it's still me. And it's, you know, um, edited by myself, uh, you know, recorded by myself, booked by myself and promoted. Everything's, everything's on me on this one. And, uh, it's, it's kind of nice having that not having to deal with four other dudes in a band. <laughs> so you get that much going. And then, uh, at the same time, you know, it's, it's you know, anytime, anytime someone like writes me and says, you know, I just found the podcast falling down the rabbit hole, downloaded a bunch of old episodes, which kind of scares me because every once in a while I'll put on an old episode. I'm like, eh, I don't know about this one, but, uh, <laughs> I guess that's just, uh, I'm sure all of us feel that way about our early episodes. Absolutely. I mean, and, and honestly, that's how I, uh, con uh, connected with you, but yeah, kudos. Yeah. Uh, you do great work. It's, it's a lot of fun listening to what you do. And, and of course, everybody can just type in talk to me into any type of search engine and you'll find your way to anything. Talk to me. And that's too many T-O-O-M-E-Y. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, you don't know how many times I want to change the name of the show, but I guess I can't. <laughs> Loose Cannon brought that up in the last episode that he was he kind of joked around like, some alternative names and of course it was a bit but yeah i i'm yeah. not gonna kid because he he brought me into this and i was like cobras and fire in the back of my mind now i kind of get it now it makes a little more sense but uh and now whatever and, and by the way just like you too late <laughs> yeah right <laughs> yeah your name is steve 
(laughs) (laughs) Whatever, Gordo. Uh, So what do you got in the fifth round? All right, fifth round. My fifth round pick, my Hail Mary pass, whatever whatever sports term you want to say. I'm going to go with uh, Desperate Cry off of Sepultura's Arise.
Welcome back from Sepultura. And, um, well, I just thought of something. It came out of, to me out of nowhere, Josh. Have you ever gone noodling? I've never gone noodling. Like, I, I live around a bunch of people that I'm sure have. And if I wanted to, I probably could just make a couple of phone calls. But, no, I would never have and I never will. Like, there's no telling what's in the water in some of those places. All right, let's, let's make it official. Um uh, it, that weekend of the rock and pod, you and I are gonna find some river somewhere and just shove our fucking fists right up a goddamn catfish's <laughs> mouth. Let's do it. All right, all right. So that'll be the first rock and pod catfish noodling. Uh, uh, we'll have a noodle a rock and pod noodling contest. Like, so you can noodle the best or however it goes. So we could I, put that towards the GoFundMe somehow. Like, go noodling. <laughs> go, go, you know, for fifty bucks, you can go noodling with Tumi and Baco. Yes. Ah, uh, yeah, it's official. <laughs> you have, write that down. Write yeah. that down, Sinzak. Yeah. Uh, fifty bucks. I I think it. <laughs> I think uh, you need a little more than that to. If I'm actually going to be involved. Oh, oh my God. lord! So we're coming to the last pick. Um, you know what? Uh, there's so many. <laughs> records here i could kind of go with that i don't know you you are are you are or are not a deicide fan oh i'm 100 a deicide fan like it's because i believe <clears throat> it or not i heard of these guys this year uh um one of our the dishwasher at the restaurant i worked at and by the way the same guy who turned me played cowboys from hell for me for the first time um nice uh yeah of course i didn't get either band but uh, he just loved how satanic Deicide was. <laughs> oh, my Lord. But the, the, their debut record apparently came out this year. Did you know that? It did. I did. You know, it's funny. When I messaged you earlier and said, how heavy can we get? It was because this album came out in 1990. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what? I'm going to go with Deicide. And once again, I'm going to defer the song choice to our special esteemed guests from the Talk To Me podcast. Of course, I'm talking about the one and only Josh Toomey, who you've been listening uh, chat with me. What the hell should we... What the hell should we even make of this band? I mean, it, I couldn't even tell from your interview with, with Glenn if he is satanic or not. Is Does he worship the devil? I mean, he has kids in school. <laughs> I think at one point, I think he was probably uh, maybe a little bit more into the Satan aspect of everything. But I don't, you know, maybe Does I'm, he I'm regret sure regret burning an upside down cross in his <laughs> between his eyeballs. I don't know, man. I, you know, maybe that should be on the next uh, interview I have with him. Um, you know, man, I think a lot of the times with the with the you know, with the, the death metal and the thrash metal, I mean, you just wanted to be as evil as you could and not necessarily because you were going to go burn a, burn a church down. This isn't, you know, Norwegian black metal. Not but, at all. Oh, by the way, well, mayhem formed in one of these years. <laughs> you know, the mayhem story did, there. did form in a year. Uh, hold on. Uh, I, I, hold on real quick. on the mayhem. Cause I, I have notes. <laughs> Yeah, somebody uh, in, oh yeah, in 1990, uh, Mayhem's vocalist, uh, that can't be right, Pervinge Olin, oh, a.k.a. Dead, he, sh he killed himself by shooting himself in the head, and of course his suicide note says, excuse all the blood. But uh, the, the whole point is that like someone took a picture of it, and then they, um, uh, or Euronymous, Euronymous the bass player or something like that. Um, he, uh, 
took a picture of it, and it was released as an album cover for their bootleg, uh, Dawn of the Black Hearts, which I actually own. Wow. Yeah. There you go, Baco. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure Luce is going to thoroughly enjoy a nice Deicide song on the on a episode of Copers and Fire. Which one are we picking off? This is their debut uh, record. Do you have one? The or? debut album? Uh, yeah, I mean, let's go with uh, with, with Dead by Dawn. Dead I by love Dawn. Song.
such a great song. Well, there we go. There was your top 10 thrash metal picks from 1990. Um, and 91. <laughs> and 91. Uh, seven of which were picked by Josh Toomey only because uh, he's better at this. Uh, Josh, of course, can you once again plug how everybody can uh, get in contact with the uh, vastly underrated Talk To Me podcast? Well, everybody can check out TalkToMePod.com. It's been recently revamped, and all the episodes are there. You can check it out there. There's news, reviews, going to get some photos up soon, and uh, album reviews, things like that. So a lot of fun stuff going on at TalkToMePod.com. And then uh, basically, however you found Cobras and Fire, I'm sure you can just type in uh, TalkToMe into your search engine there and find me there, too. And as always, it's such a pleasure. Uh, I'm a big fan. I'm grateful to have a uh, bit of a relationship with you. We chat back and forth more than people n- know. So uh, <laughs> now that I've made it all kind of uncomfortable, um, I'd like to just thank you for coming on and uh, helping out with this. Well, Luis is uh, busy um, uh, pretending that uh, he can't uh, he can't talk and sit at the same time. <laughs> what was my what was my uh, answer to you when he when you said that he had a broken ankle? I said <laughs> you do not need an ankle to podcast. You so do I not you should, need an ankle to podcast at all. He's ducking he's ducking and diving me, man. I'm I, you know I'm about to go to college. <laughs> does, does everyone know he's in Colorado? I'm about to go to Colorado yes. and find Loose Cannon. I don't know if I can look up Loose Cannon in the phone book, but uh, I will find him and we will podcast together one day. Oh man, it might happen. And hey, you know what? We've been doing kind of a, a percentage up and down because he, you know, he hasn't fully committed to the whole uh, expo thing yet. I wonder if this is going to affect it. So I'm officially going to put him at sixty eight percent. So it went down. I thought the last time I heard it was at eighty three. Yep. So the but, broken ankle, sixty eight. Oh, the broken ankle does take him out. I think he's out for uh, two two to four weeks, you know, re, uh, <laughs> intense rehab, uh, you know. So basically next week on the Cobras of Fire podcast, you'll have Chris Sinzak and then a uh, week after Mark Striegel from Talking Metal. <laughs> and then maybe, maybe Loose Cannon, you know, be a healthy scratch at some point. And, uh, of course, he wanted me to mention that um, he <laughs> he is looking forward to your next Cotton Muffings interview. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, I just had one member of Cottonmouth Kings on the podcast. Uh, Nothing, you know. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's he wants you to to round it out. Oh, I guess I I forgot. I I probably should have mentioned that earlier. But uh, anyway, yeah, lose cannon, get better. Um, come back to the show. Um, and hopefully you can you, you and uh, Toomey can you know patch your relationship up. So. Anyway, thank you for tuning in to Cobras and Fire. Thank you, Toomey. You can find him everywhere because he's going to interview you sooner or later. Just go stand on a street corner. Josh Toomey will soon be talking to you. So thank you, Josh. Thank you for having me, Baco.
And now, another no-brainer money-saving tip from Progressive. Marcus, what happened? I was changing my oil and I spilled some on the floor. Oh, we'll use these $50 bills to wipe it up. Perfect. Got any more? Yeah, yeah, take a couple hundred. Stop. Instead of using money, use an old rag. And here's a better tip from Progressive on how not to waste money. Don't pay too much for car insurance. Drivers who switch and save could save hundreds. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Potential savings will vary. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 